Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown Podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And real quick before we start, I just want to mention SobertownPodcast.com. And we got Todd from Australia who has his sober tools, sobriety tools. And in there is a sober toolbox, sobriety discussions, and your body on booze. And we have a Webby who has done a kid's toolbox too. That's fantastic. And then we have recovery resources with AA traditional. If you go in there, there's links to where you can find 12 step meetings with the AA or, or the 12 steps all over the world. So go check it out. And this morning we have somebody from the IS community who really is dove into his sobriety. Good morning, A-Rod. Good morning, Drifter. How you doing? Good, good. We just like, for the first time, kind of got a hold of each other yesterday and just, this is like one, two, three, boom. Let's do it. Let's do it. So you're going to tell us your story this morning. Yeah, I mean, just, I guess, where do you want me to start? Anywhere? Or... Yeah, wherever you feel like uh you want to start uh, in the beginning well I mean when I was a kid I was you know I want to say I was extremely extremely an introverted kid very shy and uh when I look back at my childhood I I just had this thing in my head you know fear fear and self-loathing almost and I think growing up I was just afraid and I don't really understand why because I didn't have any reason to be that way I mean you know my parents were pretty loving um you know accepting my mom was a little bit of an enabler in a lot of ways but um you know she was pretty strict growing up um but I just remember being a kid and I think I was in second grade and I was in school and the teacher like put me, uh, I had trouble reading something and she put me in the special reading class. And I just kind of like, it just like affected me in a deep way. I just felt like from that point on, that was kind of when the stinking thinking came in my head, like the feeling of inadequacy and uh, that there was something wrong with me as I was. And so I think that's where it kind of started in my mind from a very young age that you know, I wasn't okay as I was, which I think is a common thing with, with addicts trying to escape ourselves. And, you know, growing up, you know, I remember my first addiction really being to sugar. You know, I had a lot of sugar as a kid. I was always, you know, getting high on sugar and that was a thing to do. So I always had trouble as a child, you know, connecting and relating with people. I wasn't really a nerd, but I wasn't really a, you know, a jock. I was in the middle, you know, it's kind of like an outcast a little bit. And so I only had a, you know, a few friends growing up and things like that. I mean, I had a memory, like when I was a kid, that this girl got, got an award from the teacher for playing with me. Cause I never used to play with anyone. I just always be by myself lost in my thoughts. I was always a deep thinker and introspective person. When I got into high school, the end of, you know, I played sports, baseball, things like that. I think that's where I picked up the name A-Rod was from that. 
my nickname and then I got into sports and things like that. And then I got really addicted to running. So I would run like four or five hours a day, sometimes just crazy. I mean, that was the way that I got out of my head and got freedom from that constant mental chatter of, you know, just anxiety. And, uh, and so that was how I got out of my head. And, you know, that's all I used to do. You know, I didn't so hang in, out with in your anyone. early days. You had a lot spinning in your head to where you had to find an outlet and that became running. Yeah, that became running for me. You know, originally I thought, well, I could lose some weight. I was kind of a chubby kid growing up and, you know, I could get in shape and, and that was just what I did, you know, for a long time. Were you conscious though that, I mean, this is what was going on. I'm going to run to like get out of my head. You knew way back then that um, you were like an overthinker. I think I knew that, but uh, it just made me feel good. I just got addicted to the feeling of it. Was it high school where you started your drinking? Yes, but uh, like when I decided I wanted to fit in or hang out with kids, you know, um, it was really marijuana was the first thing that I really, I mean, I had gotten drunk. I think the first time I got drunk was like maybe 14. I, I chugged four beers that my dad had. So the first time I ever got drunk was by myself. So it was like that. I think it was around 14. And then I got really into marijuana and that was the thing I did. And, you know, I hung, you know, I had my little friend group and that was literally from 16 to probably in my mid twenties. I mean, I literally smoked marijuana all day, every day. I mean, that was my life. You know, like I barely graduated high school. I remember I got through on the skin of my teeth and, you know, that just was my life. And I went after high school, I didn't go right to college. I just started working and, you know, my parents let me live at home and, you know, I just worked to, to support my marijuana habit pretty much. And we had, uh, you know, we did some drinking and drugs, like ecstasy and things like that. So I was doing a lot of drugs back then, you know, again, trying to run from the, from the thoughts. Did drinking just like, you just dove into it or did it just slowly consume you? I would say drinking um, really in my mid, I mean, every time I drank, it was a problem. I mean, every time I drank, I always drank to excess and, um, you know, really in my mid twenties, you know, I had, I remember being 20 cause I'm always like, I don't know. I always, every time I get into a, a position, I'm always like kind of in a leadership role. So when I was 20, I was managing this bar and grill. That was what I did after high school. So I'm 20 and I can't even drink legally. And I'm, you know, having to be responsible for this establishment. And, you know, I smoked a lot of weed then. Um, but that was really kind of when the drinking started, I think. You had a lot of uh, booze at your access at 20 years old, managing a bar and grill. That's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. And, you know, it kind of helped me get out of my shell a little bit, being responsible for people and being a leader. And, but I definitely let people take advantage of me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you know, they did. I'm a, I'm a hard worker. So. So here you are uh, during the, doing the bar and the grill and you start drinking more. And so 
like for me, I, I get really aggressive when I drink and I want to fight all the time. And I'm just mean. I'm a mean drunk. And I've always been that way. And it, it affects a lot of people differently. Uh, how did it affect you? I mean, at first it was okay. I mean, it wasn't like a mean drunk or anything. I think the marijuana kind of mellowed me out a lot. So I don't think it started off as anger. I mean, I've definitely had a lot of anger issues over my life. I mean, I'm someone that has rage and, and things like that because I internalize a lot of stuff and don't express it. So I, you know, I have a lot of rage. It just explodes a lot of times. So there was some episodes like that where I would get very angry when I got into uh, you know, when I became the manager of the bar, you know, then I had access to all the food too. So I also got really overweight. I ended up, you know, getting up to like, I think 260 pounds. So I was wow. a pretty fat, pretty fat guy. I had that going for me too. So that was another inadequacy or whatever, if you want to call it. And then when I got, uh, and then when I got out of you know, the restaurant, you know, we started, my parents started a business. I had went to a little bit of college when I was working at the restaurant. And then I decided college wasn't for me. And my parents had started this business. So I started working for them back. And this was, you know, back in the mid 2000s, started working for them. And, and then I decided, you know, obviously that I wanted to lose weight. And so I got really obsessed with that whole world and that kind of distracted me from drinking for a while, you know, dieting and fitness and bodybuilding. And I got really into that and I lost all the weight and I got in really good shape. And I thought that that was going to make me happy. That was going to get to some magical point where I was going to be happy one day. And I thought that was the thing that was going to do it. And when I figured out that it wasn't, you know, I still had all these insecurities and things, then that was kind of like upsetting to me in a lot of ways. And so I think the drinking got a lot out of control. I used to have really bad episodes with drinking. Um, you know, we go to the bars and, you know, we get in fights and, and get blacked out and just it was just always a mess. And, you know, I think it was me and my brother a lot of times in our friend group. And, and we, me and my brother used to always fight all the time. It's always a fight, always anger towards each other. And my mom was always coming to rescue us and, and save us. You know, she was going to get up in the middle of the night, come pick us up from the bar, you know, before the cops got there and things like that. So that's. You're telling my story with my brother. We that And. It was the same friggin' away. And if we couldn't fight it, someone else, then we fought each other pretty much is how it was. Mm. It was like, get drunk. We, we would go to Kager's and get drunk. We would literally put terry cloths around our knuckles so we wouldn't break our knuckles. And we would, it's what we did. Drinking really brought that out in us big time. So <laughs> your mom's the rescuer after they come and pick you guys up, you know, from fighting. Oh, always. I mean, I love my mom. She's a beautiful woman, but yeah, she was definitely an enabler to the, to the core. Yeah. So that rescued her, us a lot. And then we, you know, we, me and my brother moved out when I was like, we were, I was like 26 and he was whatever, 20 something, 22. And we moved out and then we bought a house together and, and, you know, we had a lot of episodes 
and my sister had, uh, you know, had a couple kids with this guy. And so then he was in my life. Um, you know, and he was really bad addict. So that kind of added to the thing. And I remember the first time, you know, my mom had always said to me, you know, you got a drinking problem. You got a drinking problem, you know, because it had been in my family. And so I knew, you know, that my drinking wasn't normal and, you know, so my, by this time you're in your twenties and you're being told you have a drinking problem. Yeah. I had been told I'd been having a drinking problem. Yeah. She had always told me that. I mean, she knew I was had a drinking problem. Was this like, uh, were you drinking daily? Uh, was it just at night? Not at that you? point. Not at that point. No. At that point I was a, uh, was a weekend binge weekend. drinker. I mean, we would go out and just drink to oblivion. Um, you know, we could drink a lot and, uh, but that was, it wasn't a daily problem at that point. And so me and my brother are living together and, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, I was raised Catholic and things like that. So I had a lot of that, I guess, Catholic guilt, or you want to call it. I mean, I don't have any animosity towards it. I might still go to church and stuff like that. But, um, you know, when I was in, when I had gotten in good shape and we got in this house together, you know, and I had really, I had a really bad night. The first, like right when we moved in this house, it was like July and I had gotten a really, really mad at my sister's baby daddy. And we got in this big fight and, you know, there was a lot of anger. And at that point, that was like my breaking point for me. The first time was, I was like, you know, I got to get rid of the alcohol because it's making me act like a madman. And I remember, you know, he, he was the one that was in the wrong, but I felt guilty. You know, I felt guilty for standing up. And that was kind of like the narrative that I had in my head for a long time. And so I stopped drinking and I quit smoking cigarettes. I quit smoking weed. I didn't do anything. I was like this perfect, you know, uh, you know, I was going to be into diet and fitness. And then I got like, really into like spirituality, which was like a really interesting period for me. I started like, you know, what's the truth of life and things like that. And that was an interesting time for me because I started to look into like alternative religions and things like that, like kind of like expanding my mind. And I happened upon, uh, you know, like non-duality teachings, which I, I don't like to talk about it because I feel like weird. I don't know why, but I got into that. And, you know, basically, you know, the, the thought that we're all one energy and, you know, this individual is just a kind of illusion in a sense, you know, we're all connected. And I had this experience, you know, I read this book and I had this experience where, you know, I really saw, you know, that when I was a child, I had this memory of a child before all this shit came in my head, you know, just being a kid. And I didn't have any thought of myself, like I didn't have any conception of myself. And then everything, you know, the person that I was then or the, the thing that was looking out of my eyes then was was what was looking now and everything else came after. And I just kind of like chose to believe that in a sense. So that was really jarring for me because I believed I believed in A-Rod and that was my whole life, you know, to, so they, that A-Rod wasn't, you know, that there was a chance that maybe A-Rod was something I had come to believe in and it wasn't actually, it was just very 
unsettling to me. I think at that point, my, you know, this was around, you know, I think at that point it was around 2014 and, you know, my ego kind of took over then my ego kind of went into hyperdrive after that because I had been a hermit for a while, you know, because in order to stay sober, I just, you know, dropped a lot of things. And so my ego kind of went to hyperdrive and I was like, well, I'm going to go out, you know, cause I was, you know, I'm going to go out and, you know, drink and get women and things like that and whatever I can do to have fun. And I, I had, I haven't told this in IAS. Yeah. So I, you know, I discovered this drug and, you know, I don't want to mention the name and I haven't talked about this on IAS, but it's, uh, it was, you know, invented by the Russians and it's, you know, I was able to buy it online because it's unregulated in the U.S. And, you know, so I started taking this drug that I had found and I discovered, you know, for me that it was almost like being in God mode because I didn't have the filter anymore. You know, I wasn't this shy, introverted person in a lot of ways. I really became an extrovert when I was on this drug. And, but the big problem with the drug is it also would make me want to drink a ton too. So not all, you know, and you're not, not supposed to drink on it. I mean, it's really bad when you drink on it. And so I would just really became like, you know, I'd go out to the bar and just, I would just have no filter. And you can imagine what that would be like. So this drug that you were taking, it removed all your anxieties. There was no filter there. And you're all of a sudden you found this new freedom. With I found yourself. a new freedom. Yeah, I found a new freedom. And, you know, I became for me, I mean, at first, I would only take it, you know, on the weekends, or like three or four days a week. And, you know, then I would have to deal with the come down, you know, there would be a come down, and it would be pretty brutal, where I'd go, you know, complete opposite, you know, you imagine you'd be really extroverted. And then all of a sudden, you're going back to being super introverted, like, you just, you know, just kind of like just makes you feel numb almost, you know, so I'm withdrawing from this drug and the alcohol every week. You know, that's just my life. Huge highs, and, deep lows. Yeah. Yeah. That was my life. So then I just, you know, as the years progressed and then, you know, and then that was that period. So I did that for a while. And then my, you know, my sister or my, I don't know what you would call my sister's baby daddy or my nephew's father, you know, and then we, had decided that we were going to get sober together because we had, I had some bad things happen and you know I'm decided well you know I need to start going to like AA or you know we need we need to get sober and I was going to you know I was going to get him sober too and get his life together because his life was a mess and you know he you know wasn't financially supporting my sister and her kids and so that was a burden on us because you know we're in a family business and you know when you got to take care of our family it's just how the kind of people that we were. So, you know, I thought, well, if I could rehabilitate him, then, you know, I could, you know, that would be good too. you know, kill two birds with one stone. So you're kind of doing it for yourself and for him. Yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, I think I was doing it more for him when I sit back and look at it, but because I was, you know, I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I could get sober on my own. You know, I didn't need to go to, um, to do it you know i could do it so on my own at this point in your life were you waking up with the guilt shame remorse all that shit that we go through 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I was waking up with that, you know, and all feeling bad all the time, feeling down. I want to say I was around, uh, if that was in 2017. So I was in my early thirties. I'm 38 now. It's 2016. You, you look like a young maybe. Bruce Willis, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Like. I appreciate that. Have you been told that before? Uh, I've gotten a couple. I've gotten uh, Bradley Cooper too. I don't know, but that was when I had a beard. So, so I'll take yeah. Bruce Willis. I yeah, like there that. you go, man. He's here. We got diehards sitting with us. <laughs> Woo! So you're uh, you're in your around thirty, early thirties when when that happened. You're gonna get sober. How did that go? Yeah, so we decided to go to Narcotics Anonymous, and um, you know that was what we were gonna do, and uh, you know it went pretty well first. You know, I but I you know again I based all of it on him. You know, he was gonna come with me, and you know I had to have him to get sober too. And, you know, so I said, well, you need to get a sponsor. I need to get a sponsor. So it's kind of in a rush to do that. And I, I don't know if I picked the right guy because I think, you know, I need someone because I've always had to be the strong one, you know, the leader and stuff like that. So I think I really needed a really strong person to really kind of suck me in. I think I, I didn't pick the right one, I don't think. But so I was in it and I was sober and I was going to the meetings and they were good and I was making friends, but I don't, my heart wasn't really there. You know, it wasn't really like how I am now, like where it's just a passion. I wasn't passionate about it. I was just going through the motions and, uh, you know, for him, you know, to try to get him to do it and he would be relapsing a lot. And so that would be frustrating to me. So, yeah, so I'm busting my ass trying to help him and this and that. And, uh, you know, we made it. I got him a job. I let him live with me because my sister didn't want to deal with him anymore. Well, I'm not going to say. I mean, it's just a very painful thing for her, and I feel for her. So you're kind of you like know, a I, fixer, aren't you? I guess that's what I was let trying to be. Let me fix my be. sister's I mean, life, you know, her husband's or, or boy, the father of her of your nephew, his life isn't going good. So you're going to fix your life to help him fix his life. Pretty of. much. Yeah. I mean, I love my nephews. I love my sister. I love my family. I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Uh, you know, that's just the kind of guy that I am, I guess. But um, yeah, I was going to fix him too. And, you know, he had gotten, I don't know, my sister, you know, she kicked him out and because uh, he was living with my parents, my sister, and she kicked him out of there. And so, you know, I didn't tell her and I let him live with me. I let him live with me and my brother. My brother had a girlfriend at the time, so he was kind of off and out a lot. But, um, you know, I let him live with me and I was going to fix him up and this and that. And uh, obviously it didn't work because, you know, people have to want things themselves. Absolutely. But I did get him a job. You know, I got him a job and, and he got, you know, uh, he started working and started giving my sister money and things like that. So I kind of like felt like I'd gotten to a point where everything was good. And then, you know, he had decided to get some other girlfriend. So that really like threw my sister into a tizzy. And, uh, you know, that was kind of like she, they had a big breakdown of their relationship and that really broke down. You know, I just, you know, I told him, well, you got to leave and this and that. So that was kind of at the point where he was out of my life, you know, at that point. And there had been this girl 
in uh, NA rooms that had been chasing me for a long time. You know, she wanted to be with me and this and that. And, and I just remember, you know, being almost nine months sober. And there was one, I had a really bad day at work and I was really angry. And, uh, you know, I had just decided, you know, that the solution was that I needed to drink and that was going to make me feel better. And I thought about it all day and, you know, I went and I just thought about it and I went and got the beers and I, you know, cause you know, six pack of 16s was going to get me pretty good then, you know, I had been clean for so long. And so I started, you know, I had the beers and the next thing I know, I'm like, well, I'll just call this girl and ever come over, you know, and, <laughs> and so, you know, she's going to NA and I'm back on the sauce pretty much. And then the first thing I did once I started drinking, got more of the drug. And then I started taking it every day. This is the drug that made you feel like God. Yeah, yeah, this is that drug. So then I started taking that every day. And then I was drinking every day at that point. And so then my drinking, you know, and then my drinking would started to build from there. That was really 2017 to 2021 is when my drinking really skyrocketed to daily drinking, daily hard drinking and doing this drug every day. And so that led me into a lot of trouble, you know. So you're waking up because this drug um, takes you into really highs, high highs and low lows. So you're just getting ground in because now you're doing, you're waking up every day um, with the, the self-loathing, the, um, the shame, the guilt, the remorse and all that shit. And then you're just consuming more. And you're, you're really in this vicious, vicious cycle from 20. Oh, that was the first thing I would do when I would wake up and, you know, I would wake up and I would take the, I would take some of it, you know, boom, you know, give yourself 30 minutes and you're all the guilt is gone. All that shit's gone. You know, you don't have to face that because it just makes you feel good. You know, so you feel that way. So I, that was my, I was just drunk all day, drunk on that all day, every day. And you're functioning for a long time. Still functioning, working. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I was functioning. You know, I could work, and I, I got better at work. I was awesome because I could. You know, I was just, you know, Mister Light Talk. You know, and nobody could see this, could they? Not really. No, no, I don't think they could. I mean, when I drank on it, it was obvious, but when I was just on that, I think it was subtle enough where it just seemed like I was really outgoing. Because we, we think, as addicts, hide it so friggin' well, man. I mean, everybody thinks it's the guy under the brig, bridge or on the park bench, but, um, uh, or the convict, but it's, it's so many people, probably the majority that is, um, they're functioning, they're doing great, they're successful, um, and they're waking up every morning, having to shove something down their throat to, function every day or just pushing through they show up at work nobody at my work knew that i was drinking to a blackout every day maybe a couple suspected because of the way i acted out but nobody suspected like a, did your mom was she seeing this because she's pretty in tune with you right 
I think she knew that there was something up. I think my family knew that there was something weird about me because I was acting like really different. I had told my brother about this drug and he, he hated that I was taking it. Cause he said, you know, you act like a crazy person, you know, and this and that. And, you know, I was with this girl, my brother and his girlfriend were coming over all the time and we would just get blasted. And, uh, you know, that was really when the relationship with my brother started to de deteriorate because I didn't like this girl that he had this girlfriend that he had. And, uh, you know, he didn't like this girl that I was with and he thought she was bad for me. And she really wasn't, I mean, I really treated her like shit too. I mean, that's just, you know, that's how I thought you're supposed to treat women, you know, just treat them like crap, you know? And, you know, I treated her pretty poorly too. So you're like being ground into the ground, I'm sure. So this happened from 2017 to 2020 or 2017 to 2021. Something had to have clicked where you're like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I mean, I got into, you know, and then, uh, you know, he had ended up, you know, he had moved in with her. And so I was kind of like here by myself and my brother had always been my best friend my whole life, you know, like we always lived together. We did everything together our whole life. And she came and just took him away from me. Like, and then he was gone. Got it. Know? And that was just like, cause we had had girlfriends and stuff, but, but not like, like how she was like, she wanted him and he was going to, you know, do her thing. So she took him away from me. So Got now it. I didn't have my, so now I didn't have my brother, you know, and I, you know, I had some friends and that, but they weren't good friends for me. They were, you know, just partying, you know, let's party all night, do cocaine kind of friends. And, uh, you know, so I didn't have my brother. So that was really a big negative for me. And that really affected me in a deep way. Um, you know, I felt like I had that taken from me. And you're still drinking and using the drug. Yeah. And I was, you know, I had periods of sobriety, you know, I decided I want to get sober and, you know, I would detox off of the alcohol and the drug, you know, I was good at that. And, you know, I had my little routine that I could survive, you know, getting off of it. Cause it's brutal, man. I mean, it's, you know, taking all that stuff and taking all the alcohol and then just stopping cold Turkey. I mean, it was some real mental anguish and, and it was rough, but you know, I'm a tough person, I guess. I don't know. I was able to survive it. And, so what uh, would you make like a week with your clean time when you would get off of it a week, two weeks, a month? Yeah. Maybe like a week, two week month, you know, here and there. And I would have time, you know, sober and, and then, you know, I would get in those vicious cycles again of, you know, buying into all the bullshit in my head. And then I would just, you know, that was the remedy, you know. How about the attic voice? That. Did you have the attic voice like where you could clean up for a little bit, but then you had this voice in your head saying, well, it's time to, it's time to start partying again. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really talk about that a lot, but yeah, I mean, I've had that my whole life, you know, just that, you know, you could have you know, you could be a responsible drinker. You could just have a couple, you know, you could just take a little bit of something, you know, you don't have to go all out, you know, but for me, it'd become all or nothing. You know, I was either going to be, you know, messed up all the time or I was going to be completely sober. And so, you know, I had to learn a lot of tools and things like that. 
to resist. Well, I had picked up a lot of stuff from NA, obviously a ton of knowledge from there. I mean, it yes. really, that program is amazing. And, you know, I had went halfway through the steps and I didn't make it through, you know, that's when I hit my, you know, real, you know, you have to face your shit kind of point. And, you know, that was, that all Dangerous broke down. But yeah. And I think, you know, it's a great program and, and, you know, but for me, um, you know, and then I, I, you know, I told my brother that I didn't like her, you know, and they had had a kid together. And at, by that point, I waited until they had a kid together because he told me he didn't like this girl and he made me break up with her, you know, which I did. But then he told me, you know, and then I finally told him how I felt about her, his girlfriend at the time. And, and that was just like, that was like the beginning of the end of our relationship. I mean, my brother's always, you know, we've always had, I've always had to been the one to, to be the forget, you know, I always had to be the one to make up and we'd get in a fight and he'd give me the silent treatment for weeks. You know, we'd live together and he wouldn't talk to me for weeks. And, um, you know, so that was like kind of the turning point where it really went dark for me. You know, even with the drug, my mind was in a dark place and, you know, and, and they really particularly bad place I went, you know, was when they went and got married um, or they got eloped. And, you know, I'd always figured I would be there for my brother when he got married and that. And, and I just remember I didn't eat anything that day. I just drank a bottle of whiskey <laughs> and that was my day. Just sat there and drank a bottle of whiskey and felt sorry for myself that, oh, I just, oh, I had this horrible life, blah, blah, all this bullshit in my head. And, um, and that was around that time that I downloaded the app, maybe around like 2019. I was going to, you know, use it as a counter. I didn't realize what the community was at that point. I was not going to, you know, I wasn't going to use that. I mean, I could get sober on my own. You know, I could get sober on my own. And uh, I had, I, I guess, fast forward maybe to 2021, I started the year uh, sober and I made it until about, I started the year sober, relapsed, and then March 8th, I got sober, got off the stuff, got off the alcohol. And by that point, my drinking had, you know, I was drinking bottles a day with that, with the top of that stuff. I mean, it was just, it was starting to affect my life, you know, in a bad way. And, uh, you know, I had gotten a DUI and things like that. Just, you know, my life was starting to unravel. So I knew I had to get sober. And, you know, it was around March. I got so sober. So during this whole, whole time, you were, um, did you... Were you at a place where you couldn't stop? You wanted to stop and you couldn't stop. Were you there? Were you there? I was there. Yeah. I mean, I was there. I, I didn't really want to drink and do this stuff anymore. I just felt like, you know, I just was doing it, doing it, doing it. And, and you, you know, kept I doing had, it. yeah, at some point, you know, I didn't mention this, but I had gone to like inpatient or outpatient rehabs and things in the past and, and it never stuck because, you know, I didn't need them and I, I could do it on my own. And, um, you know, at that point, March 8th, I don't know how I stopped, but I did. And, uh, you know, I had stopped for, from March 8th to like July 3rd. 
and I had this event to do with this organization that I'm involved in. And I had stayed sober for like, I had almost like four months or whatever. And I was on the app posting a little bit, but I wasn't really using the community. And I just walked into this situation. It was that addict voice all over again. I didn't prepare, wasn't prepared. I didn't do, you know, routine. I walked right into this event and they handed me the beer and I drank the beer. And then that night, that was it. I was... As soon as I drank all the beers I could at that event, and then I stopped at the gas station on my home, bought, I think it was like two 12 packs. And I just, I was just like right back into it. And I ordered, you know, I got the stuff and I'm right back on, right back there. The next day, I'm right back on where I was. And I'm like, Jesus, you know. You got the beer, you got your dope again, 100% back into this shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like right back into it. And then I quit for like whatever, a couple of days. And then I went right back into it and then just really had a really bad, bad, bad day. I went to this festival by my house and I saw, cause I had a friend, you know, me and my brother had our best friend. He died from substance abuse. And this was like around 2020. And I went to this like festival event or whatever. And I, uh, you know, saw a bunch of our friends and things like that. And I was so doped up and so drunk and I was just acting like an absolute madman. I was just nuts and just, you know, and they just made me go home. Somehow they got me home. And then, you know, I just remember just being in just such a state of just like desperation. I'm just like, I just cannot do. I think I slept like two hours. And I'm just like, I just can't do this anymore. I just woke up and I was just like so full of anguish and just so like just out of it. And I just woke up and I, I saw the, you know, the, I posted about an IS and I saw the handle of vodka on the, on the counter and I just drank it and it took some more of the drug and, and, uh, and I'm like, you know, I just can't do this anymore. And I feel like it was just weird. It was almost like my friend was like talking to me from beyond the grave. He's like, you're going to be dead like me, dude. If you don't, if you don't get yourself sober, I mean, you're going to be dead. You're going to be dead. And I'm like, I'm going to be dead. I mean, I could feel it in my body at that point. I mean, I was having real bad pain in my kidney and my liver all the time. I mean, I was drinking it just to believe that. I mean, I'm sure I fucked my body or messed my body up pretty badly. And I just remember calling my parents and I'm like, hey, you know, you guys got to come over here and pick me up because I'm, I'm, I'm in a bad state. You know, I was in a bad state. And, and they came over and I showed them, you know, you know, here's, here's the alcohol, here's the drug, you know, I'm like, you know, you watch, I poured it all out, I threw it away, I, you know, dumped it down the toilet, and they watched me do it, and, you know, I really told them about, you know, well, how it was messing me up, and, um, you know, I just remember going to, you know, I went over to their house, and then they took me to go see my friend's grave, and I just, I went over there, and I just, was just like, I just remember standing there crying. And, and at that point, I was just like so desperate that, that something finally like clicked in my mind. And I realized that all the shit that I was holding on to was what was messing me up. And I was holding on to my brother because our relationship was never going to be what it was going to be. You know, and I had held on to that for so long, the hope that I could have a good relationship with my brother. And it just, and it, and it was like, I, I kind of like, at that point, I buried my relationship with my brother. 
And that was like a big turning point for me. And I buried my relationship with this self that I had that was had all these issues. And I just was like, you know, I just had to accept myself as I am if I'm going to get, you know, sober. And so you and went that, to your friend's grave. They took you to the friend that died of uh, addiction. They took you yeah, to his grave. Yeah. Yeah. And then so I went there. Yeah. All that stuff was going through your head right there, too. When you were uh, crying and your brother and your friend and your life. Was that standing there at his grave like a really turning point for you? Yeah, that was the point. That was the point where it finally clicked. And, you know, I had relapsed a lot. And, and that was the one time that it all came together. And then I had this break. And I saw that if I was going to get sober, that I could not do it alone. I had oh. to have a community. And I remember posting that night on the app, you know, I could sleep, but I, I was, I posted on the app, you know, and then I just started like commenting on day zero, you know, everyone, you know, we can do this. We're going to do this together. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. I'm going to do this. You know, this is it, you know, and then that, what, that what was, day was that? What day was that? Cause that's your sober day, right? July 25th, 2021 was my sober day. And I'm, I think. 79 days today boom so but you got a hell of a lot of experience a rod this is something i've talked about with others a lot of people want to judge other people by their sober time oh well um he's only got two weeks or he's got they this person just reset but nobody knows when that clicking moment happened and nobody knows what that person did up until their 79 days getting sober uh the life that they lived because you don't just have 79 days sober, A-Rod. You have um, years of fighting your addiction. I mean, from your, you know, it, it started out a little bit when you were younger, but it really got pretty deep and you've been through a lot of shit. And you have, a, you may be 79 days sober, but you got a lot of friggin' experience of, of going back and forth. And, and I just think that's powerful. And then when you watch, so here you are, you're at day zero and you start supporting everybody, right? You've been doing that for 79 days straight pretty much, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much become my, I mean, a big part of my life. And, you know, I've just like, I feel like I finally found, cause I feel like I was always searching for something that made me feel fulfilled, you know? And I finally feel like I, found it in my fellow, you know, whatever you want to call it, alcoholic or, you know, addicts. Well, we're your peoples, man. We're your peoples. Yeah. Uh, we understand each other. Um, and we're, we've all been claw clawing our, our way out of that dark hole. Yeah. And all the talent and things that I have, I mean, you know, I just feel like, you know, I'm in the right place, you know, and I, uh, and that's what I've been doing and that's what's worked for me. And but you're I'm not very... you're not just getting sober this time sitting on the couch because you kind of did a little bit before when you were you were you you got into the community you made a couple of posts prior what up around 2019 and stuff but this time now that you're serious you've dove in and you've really put you've really highlighted that you're all in because you're commenting to people from day uh, zero to 1800 days and you're everywhere in between yeah well i just joke with danica or whatever that we follow each other around the app all day you know commenting i mean but 
it just means a lot. I mean, I love you guys and, you know, I love the sport and, uh, you know, this is what changed everything for me was letting go of all that shit in my head. Uh, you know, letting go all that, you know, accepting myself, acceptance, surrender, you know, accepting myself as who I am, you know, this is who I am. This is the life I lived. And, you know, there's a reason and a purpose behind that. You're literally changing your life. Yeah. 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 And um, you're not just texting or you're not just commenting and posting. You're also involved with the community itself with uh, the Zoom meetings, giving back there, too. Yeah. Yeah. I got into that right away. I mean, I have some experience doing Zoom meetings for some, you know, organizations I work for. And, you know, obviously my, you know, history of, you know, learning how people react when you don't have a filter. And, you know, a lot of times it's okay, you know, because every, everybody is, has anxieties and nervousness, you know? So when you realize that, you know, everybody feels that way, you know, I mean, I just, you know, I just, I love, I love it. I love doing that. You have a lot, you're bringing a lot of experience to the table. Uh, of dealing with these anxieties or non-anxieties and how you just was able, this shit turned you off. It just turned off how your your nervous system where you, you had nothing. Um, and you have all that experience that you're bringing to the table now. And I think that's huge, man. You and um, Steve K are, are you're hosting and co-hosting together. Yeah. Yeah. Steve K who's a great guy, pretty awesome guy. And uh, we connected right away. So, you know, I think the first zoom meeting I was on with him, um, you know, I said, Hey, well, I'll be your co-host, you know, cause he was going to host the next month. And so we've been co-hosting and then I volunteered to, to host a Saturday meeting for October. So I've been doing that and that's been a lot of fun. And um, it's just, I've been very passionate about it. You know, I said, well, I got to put the work, I got to put as much work into my recovery as I put into drinking. And so that's what I've tried to do. So and tell us about your life now. Do you wake up miserable anymore? Not really. I mean, I still have a lot of, you know, I mean, I understand now, you know, like more about, you know, like the mind and things like that, you know, and understanding, you know, that, the thoughts are not me and all that stuff. And I got to get out of that. And so really when I wake up, what I used to do when I wake up is I wake up and go on Twitter and this and that, be all mad about politics and all this other crap, you know, and, and all of that has just fallen away. Like I just really don't care about all the things I used to care about, like politics. I could care less, you know, and I wake up and I'll go on the app and that's my morning, you know, it's, is is to support, people and and be supported and you know i'll check in you know pretty regularly so and your parents uh relationship there uh is pretty good now i I mean it's fine yeah i mean i think i got some challenging roads ahead there i mean i don't know if this thing that we're doing together is really what you know is going to make sense for me the rest of my life or you know I, i i could see myself changing a lot of things about my life but, you know, I'm at the point now where I can accept that and move forward. But that it seems sense. like sobriety does change relationships um, for the better. And regardless, oh, yeah. regardless, if you need to make changes, um, some changes, at least you're doing it sober minded. 
And yeah, I mean, they're very happy. Yeah, they're they're proud of me. They're very happy about it. And my relationship with my brother, you know, I just I can't talk to him anymore right now. And, you know, we just had to have a break. Um, well, so um, I'll take, you know, sobriety just heal, heals so much. But when mm -hmm. you work on your, yourself first, um, you become a lighthouse. A lot of relationships that I've destroyed in the 16 months, the ones that are important to me, there's some that I don't even want to like reconnect with, but uh, the other ones, uh, it's happening, and 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 it's a cool thing, man. A Rod, it's just really cool uh, to meet you because I've seen you all over, and I get really busy, and I haven't been able to like I've, I've wanted to get over to your post more, but I just see you all over, and you remind me so much of the Silver Crew. So you've got you, Steve K, Danica. There's a bunch of you. They're like a Silver Crew, right? I, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, we're kind of all over the place, but um, I mean, those friendships mean a lot to me. I mean, those people really mean a lot to me. I mean, that's not, it's, you know, we're really. So let's talk about this. Okay, you guys, let's, we're going to, this is, I am sober app and it's a virtual community. Some people have met each other, but mostly we're meeting online. I think I've made some of the most powerful friendships I've ever met in my life. Hey, Rod, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are my people and, you know, we're connected and, you know, there's a lot of people, um, you know, that I've connected with that have become, you know, I would think, you know, I consider them close friends and, you know, that's been, you know, the game changer for me is to have those relationships and have those connections. So, kind of a weird way i mean it's almost like you know this is the next step you know because how life is you know i mean this is you know connecting in this way with like-minded people you know we're all kind of evolving together and it's kind of a cool thing because if you're you're having whatever you're going through good or bad you can make a post about it and you can share and you can share what's inside and i think that's powerful because all through my life, I've heard about journaling and I've never really journaled because it's not what I've really done. But by doing posts in IAS, that's I started journaling when I got sober. That was my way of journaling. And uh, it's a good way to get in touch with myself. And then I think one of the biggest gifts that we can give to ourselves is giving back to others. And I think that's where the real healing comes in because I see this little sober crew that you guys are in. It reminds me a lot about like mine. That's really powerful now that uh, the, the people that I'm around all the time and they're really rock solid in their sobriety. And it was uh, giving back as much as we could. And there was somebody, there was please not again was a girl that was on a lady on the I am sober app. And I used to wake up, every morning and follow her it, i was either in front of her or she was in front of me supporting people all over the place i'm like damn there she is again and we became really really good friends uh, she's not on the app anymore but i remember how cool that used to be oh there she is and like we were like all over the place every morning and that's kind of how you are with danica then huh <laughs> i guess so yeah I think it's a cool place to be, to wake up. Yeah, it really is. And just to be, um, 
the relationships for me, I mean, that's what keeps me sober. I mean, I wouldn't, if I hadn't made the dive that I did, I mean, I had some powerful realizations or whatever, but I mean, the way to stay stable in it is to put the work in every day. And and that's the way that you put the work in is by supporting others and, and, and allowing yourself to be supported. And it's not even work, is it? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's not work. It's, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. It's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. Fulfilling. Yeah. It's good. It's I'm, I feel like I'm good at it and I feel like it makes me feel fulfilled. Like I feel like I can bring talents to the community and, you know, and it makes me feel good. And so hey, Rod, you're giving in a way hope. you're giving yeah. people hope and that's powerful. And that restores your soul. I don't know, um, you know, how spiritual you are, but for me, it restores my soul. Um, so, uh, you know, like how I brought um, Steve K in with Sobertown. And I was hoping when, when I did that, that hopefully that he, because you guys are really close, that you guys do stuff together. And I'm sure you guys are going to, because I, I told him like, here's your canvas and do it, uh, what you will. So I, I hope that he takes that canvas and he gets you guys together and, and does some things with you. So maybe you guys can uh, contribute a little bit more to Sobertown too. Yeah, I would love to do that. And I think, you know, he's already mentioned that to me and, you know, yeah, I'm a spiritual person and yeah, it does restore your soul and, and continuing to put to, to invest, you know, I mean, this is just who I am now. This is what I do. Yeah, and you you look, you look like a healthy young uh, Bruce Willis, man. So sobriety is treating you good, <laughs> Rod. It is. And you look like you're you got just like this glow of happiness on you. And I know you weren't waking up like that every day before, because like you woke up this morning at 7 a.m. where you're at, and it's I woke up at four. Well, and, I actually uh, got up at five because I wanted to, you know, take a walk before I talk to you. But yeah, I I, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know, just a contentness, you know, cause there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in my life right now with, with work and other stuff, you know, and, and, but you know, that's, it'll, it'll it's be life. resolved. It'll it's be life. resolved, you know, and you're sober minded and you're not hiding from nothing. I'm accepting life now, you know, life isn't perfect. Life is going to have challenges, you know, but I'm accepting of it, you know, and I know, you know, coming on here and telling my story and being nervous about that. I mean, or being nervous about doing things. I mean, that's the things that I have to do. I have to put myself out there. You came I, out of your comfort zone to come on here. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I got to do. I got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Boom. And that's how I you love stay. that. That's cool. That's how you stay sober. Is being comfortable with being a little bit uncomfortable. Well, I I'm gonna I'm excited to see um, where you're gonna be going in the future in your sobriety, and Sobertown is gonna be right here around you. I'm gonna be right here around you, and let's just see where this goes. You know, and I love the IAS community, and that's where I got sober. And I love talking about the the IAS community. Um, because it's powerful and there's no other, I, I'm around other communities on 
the internet and I know other communities and there's nothing like IAS and how everybody can intermingle together, you know? It's the people. I mean, it's the people that make it a magic place and uh, everybody there is bringing something unique and, and valuable. And, yeah. you know. We're an army of silver warriors, literally. We are. We are, but, yes. And when we um, help others, we're lifting them up too and everybody is lifting each other up together and that's the beauty of it really and that, is and that's what i want to do at silvertown too is i want to keep bringing more people in and you know how big does silvertown get how many people do we have contributing i don't know but they got a fucking army out there with a lot of money convincing us all that alcohol is the best thing for us and it's killing us they've got an army and i want to be a part of the army that's fighting against that army yeah, I mean, we're really the trailblazers right now. And I think, you know, we talked about it in, in Zoomings and things like that. I mean, I think there's going to be a ton of people that are going to start quitting drinking at some point, you know, with this pandemic and all the stuff going around, a vaccine mandates and all this stuff. I mean. Well, they forced everybody out of the rooms to online. And it, I think it's going to end up being a powerful tool. Because is what they've done is they've pushed everybody to now we can get we can know each other and meet each other. And that's making hell, I couldn't have met anybody unless I went to a meeting before. And now I can come in here, uh, wake up and at 4 a.m. and get on my computer and talk with a fellow sober warrior. We can we can uh, talk and share stories, but we're not just touching just like 10, we're touching we can touch hundreds and maybe thousands and maybe tens of thousands in the end. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You get what you get, what you get out of it, what you put into it. So, so you work the steps. Is that right? I worked the steps back then. I, I don't work so, the steps right now. So you're not working the steps now. I, I don't no. either. You know, that's, a, that's another thing that I'm seeing around a rod that I like to mention. There's a lot of people managing their own recovery and it's really cool to see but i mean if you if you start watching because you know the steps really well because you've been around them if you look around you'll probably see i do for myself and I, you may too that they're just developing organically around in my life like you just did you've been doing a step four and you just did a step five right now this morning basically right and it's a powerful one. And you didn't just tell it to one person. You just told it to basically the world because this is there's people around the world that listen to the Sobertown podcast. So you like uh, did your step four and then did your step five with the world. And then you're doing a step 12 every day. Every day you're encouraging people. And you're doing what's 11 where you take you're uh, examining yourself. Is that what it is? Where you're taking uh, personal inventory or 10, that's 10 yeah, or 11 taking or personal inventory. And when we were wrong, properly admitted it, I believe. So if you look, um, it's cool that this stuff is just like organically happens. Even if we not, we're like, okay, step one, I was powerless, step two, this, step three. And you like, I was looking back and I was like, wow, man, this is really cool. But here's the difference this time out, out of all these years, and I have over 40 years trying to get my ass sober is I'm, I'm uh, managing my own recovery. And have you ever thought it like, are you, do you think of it like that in those terms? 
Well, I'd always been managing my own recovery. I mean, I'd always been trying to get sober, I guess, on my own in a way. And, uh, you know, when I put myself in communion with other people, that's when I can really make progress. And you have, and you have. I think the connection is, it's the most important thing of everything. But uh, you're, you're choosing to wake up, up every morning and be involved with what you're doing. Got up this morning, went out for a walk, and then met me here. So I think what you guys are doing, I think your Silver Crew's badass. And I think what you guys are doing is you're really giving back to a lot of people. Because I see you guys everywhere. I'm like, damn, these guys. I wish I had more time to be roaming around the streets of IAS with you guys because you're kicking ass, really. Well, we appreciate that. And I just want to give a shout out to the Sober Misfits. And, uh, you know, I just have so many great, awesome people in this community. It's just really an amazing, amazing place. And I love and, that, uh, Sober Misfits. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the groups I'm in, and there's the ODAD group, and just there's so many great crews and uh, so many Absolutely. awesome people, and the more you, it's just amazing. It is. And, it astounds and, me every, it astounds me every day. Wow. So you're involved with all that and still doing what you're doing on, on AAS. You're all in. Yeah, yeah, I want to be as engaged as I can, so, I mean... That's what I need to do. And that's wow. what makes me, uh, that's what works for me. Well, I really thank you for coming. Once we start like talking about sobriety, I just like get really excited, man. It's a beauty in, uh, you know, like forgiving ourselves, you know, we're really accepting the other people, you know, I mean, they, I'm sure have their past and all that stuff and, and, you know, but that doesn't matter. It's, you know, we just accept each other. You know, regardless. And none of this start none of this starts, A-Rod, until we 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 have to get off the poison. And whatever that mm -hmm. poison is. I mean, for you, you had it was like two poisons. You can't really stop healing until you get off of it. And it's a bitch. It can be a bitch. Uh when you're at day zero, day two, going through that to get off of the sauce, and you got that friggin' addict voice in your head. But once you start getting your feet under under you and you'd start focusing on your pulse giving back then your your goals are changing and you're not focused on that voice anymore you're focused on other things than yourself and i think that's where a lot of the healing comes in uh <laughs> i don't think so i think i've said a lot so okay i really appreciate you um getting with me yesterday and and it's a pleasure finally meeting you well, it's a pleasure to meet you, and it's like a huge honor. I mean, I just feel so honored, and uh, you know that my contribution is 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 making an impact. I mean, it's huge. So, a Rod, it really is. What you're doing, you're really making an impact, it, and a huge impact too. And and I just see you, I see you doing more, man. I, I'm just speaking life into your into your sobriety because. I just see a guy that's all in and you're just giving everything back. And it's just, that's life. I mean, you're spreading life around to people, you know, you're speaking life to people and that's so powerful. So I think that's my purpose. I mean, that's my purpose, you know, in life is, is to do this. 
and it's a good part. I can't just can't wait to see how um, all these all this sobriety ends up evolving online with every with everybody working together. I just I'm just like wow, where are we going to be in ten years? Because I like looking far further ahead like that, and I never imagined that um, I would be with so many amazing people on a on a virtual friggin' app. Look, I was anti-social media. If it, I, I can't even tell you how anti putting all my stuff out there online on the internet was like no friggin' way. And here we are. Well, I mean, we're we're together, and that's what makes it the magic. I mean, we have you know the, when the like-minded get together, that's when the magic happens. And yeah, I don't like social media either. All the other social medias, um, get away from those and just put all my energy into this one. Me too. This and like you, I, I've like got away from all the news, all the politics. I used to live that and breathe that shit. And hell, I can't even vote. <laughs> right. What the hell is it going to do for me? You get lost in all this. It's just a friggin' mess. And, but now my focus is on this and it's a good place to be. So A-Rod, thank you very much for coming on to Sober Town Podcast. Thank you everybody for joining us. And remember, pour the poison down the sink.